0: Well, good morning, Christ Church. There's a lot of exciting things happening here at Christ Church, isn't there? I mean, just all kinds of wonderful things happening. We just had one of the largest membership classes that we've had in a long time. It's really exciting to be part of that group that was here last Sunday, to go through that with them. And uh, the fact that we have our college ministry program going, if you're a college student, it's wonderful that you're part of this. I know Brenda's heart is really for college students, and a lot of churches really don't have that focus. And we are so happy that Brenda has that passion to really to really engage you here at Christ Church. And the fact that all the things that are happening with Dominican Republic, are, it's amazing. It's only been a month and a half. And because of what you all have been part of as Christ Church Grow Farm, that's why we're seeing the change. Because you getting involved affects a community. Isn't it powerful that what we do here on Sunday mornings can affect a community th- uh, thousands of miles away? It's, it's incredible. So praise God for that. Let me pray for us as we look at the God's word. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you for what's happening here at Christ Church, for the new members. Father, we thank you for the excitement there. We thank you for our ministries that are happening all around us uh, throughout the week. We thank you for the wonderful conference that we had here just this weekend Talking about sexuality and salvation and sin, Father, we thank you for all those people that were here throughout that weekend. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the Dominican Republic. And Father, through all this, we give you praise and glory that you speak to us in your word, that that you teach us how to live, that you show us how to live through your word, that we can have the families that we're involved with, whether here at the church or in our own homes, Father, that you tell us how to have wonderful, happy homes. Father, we thank you for that. Be with us as we look at your word. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart. And that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, as Pastor Jamie talked about, we are in a series called We Are Family. Harmony in the heart, home, and house of God. As we look through uh, Ephesians 4, 5, and uh, 6. We're going to be talking about uh, later in Ephesians 5. And it really talks about uh, focusing on husbands and wives and children and parenting. But before we get there... We talk about this because it's really about us, the new you. I know that uh, there's a lot of people in here who go, yes, we're talking about families and spouses. I hope my spouse is really listening because I need them to really change. I want you to focus this week as we look at this passage. It's about you. It's about you. And we've talked about this. We're going to tell you to our blue in the face that you want to have harmony in your own families. You need to have first harmony in your own heart. You have to because it, it's just a band-aid fix if you're just trying to do certain principles, trying to do certain things uh, if you don't really have Christ at the center of your life. You know, I love the passage we just read. It was one of the things that really stuck out to me in my own um, my own marriage. It's one principle uh, that's found in verse uh, 26. So if you have your Bible, encourage you to turn there. Ephesians 4. It's the one principle that we, my wife and I, have always adopted as, a, as the principle that we're going to live by. It's don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down your anger. I have told many, many couples, listen, if you get anything else out of the premarital counseling, it's this. Don't let the sun go down your anger. Why? Because there's always a stopping point to whatever issues that you're facing. That if you're having a fight or uh, having an issue that you need to uh, address or forgiveness needs to happen, that there's a stopping point. Don't give devil a foothold. The devil gets a foothold because there's no stopping point. And then the couples come in after years, years of of fighting, never getting things resolved. Parents, children haven't talked to each other in years. Why? Because there's never a resolution. Don't let the sun go down your anger. And I remember being in premarital counseling and uh, it was with Don Wilson. Don Wilson, if you don't know who Don Wilson is, he was a pastor here many, many years ago. That's where we get Wilson Hall from. Don Wilson was a wonderful gentleman, uh, and God uh, took him home many years ago. But what a powerful man of God. And I remember sitting in premarital counseling with Don Wilson, and I remember hearing two things. I'm sure there was a lot of other things that were said, uh, but I remember two principles that I got out of Don Wilson's premarital counseling. It's about 17 years ago. I remember him saying two things. Listen, don't let the sun go down in your anger, Jared and Deb, and don't go to the Pocono Retreat Center for your honeymoon. And he proceeded to tell me about the Pocono Retreat Center, and he, uh, it stuck with me apparently way too long. And uh, he talked about how after they were married, uh, he and his wife went to this Pocono Retreat Center. I don't know why you would do this, but uh, they had a dinner, and there was other couples coming uh, to this retreat center. And after dinner, he was thinking, okay, we're going to go back to the cabins you know, and consummate the, the wedding. And after dinner, they, they brought out a bunch of board games, and they played Parcheesi for three hours. And I remember Don going, I'm so frustrated. I just wanted to leave. Finally, he goes, he leaves and goes to his cabin and his cabin thermostat is is broke on 95. And the windows are sealed shut. Then he went to on to tell me all the details uh, about how hot and sweaty he was and things like that. And I remember going to my watch and going, "Hey, Don, I think we're about out of time here." Uh, but I appreciate that. So I, I remember, but I remember thinking, "Listen, those are the two things that I remember: don't go to the Pocono Retreat Center, very practical, and don't let the sun go down in your anger." The one, the, the second one, is far more powerful. And I remember th- hearing Don talk about all the time throughout that counseling: "Are you growing in Christ? Are you growing?" why because there's no way that you can let the sun go down your anger if you weren't growing in christ some of you may say that is a wonderful principle to adopt and i say it is a wonderful principle to adopt as marriages as spouses as children as parents let that be your principle but i'm telling you right now if you don't let christ work in your own life you'll never you'll never keep that principle it'll never happen don't let the sun go down your anger you know we've got to start with our own lives There's all kinds of principles here that Paul talks about in verse 25 that we just read. Don't get angry. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't live covetously. Don't steal. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Be encouraging. And I think, you know what? If marriages and families would just ascribe to these principles, we would have wonderful marriage and families, wouldn't we? You know, some people look at this series at this point and they go, I thought you were talking about families. How am I going to relate to my spouse who needs to hear what you're about to tell them so they feel so guilty? I want to hear you to talk to them. Where's the good stuff? Right here is the good stuff. Because if you develop these principles, then everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. You know, when he talks about what Paul does here is, if you look at verse 25, again, I encourage you to turn there, It says, therefore, you must put off falsehood and don't let the sun go down your anger. Therefore, therefore. There's something, which means there's something that you have to do beforehand before these principles can take root. If you want to be encouraging to your spouse, encouraging your family, encouraging to other believers here in the church, there's got to be something else that happens. Something else that happens. And what Paul does here is he talks about the old characteristics of the old self versus the new self. He said, well, why would we want to know that? Let me encourage you, as we look at these, it's a good indicator. Good indicator as us as believers who have Christ, is there any change that's happening? Do we see any change happening in our own life? And here's how we can see it. Because what Paul does is he says, he talks about four characteristics of what it looks like, what your life looks like without Christ, then what it does with Christ. And then what it does with Christ, then you can understand the principles that you're to live by, which affects your family. Thus, finding harmony in your own heart. So, you can find harmony in your own home. So, what's the old self look like? The old self first looks like uh, the old self has uh, faulty thinking. People without Christ have very faulty thinking, don't they? It's distorted thinking. What we see and think about leads to all kinds of problems in this life, don't they? All kinds of issues. You know, often people would say, uh, you know, people will, some kind of crime that happens in the the community, and we've been there, where there's some kind of horrible thing that happens. They always say, well, what kind of environment did that person grow up in? The issue is not the environment. It's how they think about the environment that they're in. The, and the reason we say that, the reason I say that is because there's some people that have been through some very traumatic things in life, who have had a terrible home life, who have grown up and become wonderful leaders. It's... The mindset, the mindset of how we dealt with that environment. Because if it's not, then we blame the environment. Well, my parents didn't raise me that way. Or I was never taught to live that way. Or I was, I was never encouraged to, to, to talk good of somebody. I was never encouraged to, to not get angry. It's the mindset. Don't blame the environment. Does that foster it? Yeah. But don't blame it. It's all about you. It's faulty thinking. And that's why Romans 8 says, Therefore, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. On what the flesh desires. You see, without Christ, we all would think about what would fulfill us, what would make us happy. That's why that's that's the only explanation for the addiction to drugs or pornography or addictions to alcohol, uh, to greed, to appearance. It's the only reason. Because the mind thinks about those things. What's going to make me happy? That's the only way that you could just—you cannot justify. The only reason you can understand suicide. We had just uh, Pastor Jamie and I know of uh, somebody very close uh, to one of our staff who just committed suicide this week. You go. Well, maybe it's his environment. He had a wonderful home home life. It was his thinking that was distorted. It's the only way you can describe why. Because I think that if I if I Commit suicide, that will find me happiness. I can get away from the pain in this life. It's faulty thinking. So the old self has faulty thinking. The old self also has an ignorance of God's truth. Look at verse 18. It says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. You know, we live in a culture today where uh, uh, education, more and more people are, are educated. Ever than in history. You know, years ago it was if you made it to your bachelor's degree, well, it's wonderful. Now it's a master's degree. Now you have to have a master's degree. And then it's a doctoral degree. Now I'm hearing things about postdoctoral degree. I don't even know what that even looks like. But there's this there's this, there's this idea that the more you know, the better you'll be. And it was the same thing in Paul's day too. The more you know, the better you'd be. The people that Paul was writing to in this book had the same thing. They were priding themselves on how much they knew about, about stuff, science, literature, technology. And in in this case, he says, they were dark in their understanding, their ignorance. He almost offended them more by calling them ignorant than sinful. We do that here. People would rather be called sinful than ignorant. But they're ignorant of God's truth. They couldn't understand the the word of God. 2 Timothy 3 says, always learning but never able to comprehend, to come to the knowledge of truth. People that don't have Christ will never understand God's word. That's why when we talk about going and sharing your faith, sharing what Christ did, we have to pray, Holy Spirit, convict their hearts. We have to do that, because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts them, for them to understand what we're saying to them. So, the old self, faulty thinking, ignorance of God's truth. There's also a moral insensitivity. Look at verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, lost all sensitivity. They're callous. They don't care. People people who don't have Christ do not care their consequences of their actions. They do not care. There's a, there's a callous to it. They're apathetic. And Paul's talking to them and that church that Paul's dealing with is the same, the culture that he lives in is the same culture that we live in today. People don't care about their actions. They become insensitive. People that don't have Christ don't care. There's no conscience there. There was a there was a story. I don't I'm sure if it's true or not, but they would used to. That was in relation what um, to this that the Greeks would tell their sons, and they were talking about uh, being apathetic and insensitive. And they told a story about a young boy who stole a fox, and he ran into the farmer that he stole the fox from. from and because he was so callous and didn't want, he didn't want to own up to the issues he was facing. He just, I don't care. What he did was he, he, he stuffed the fox in his jacket and closed his jacket. And the fox got frightened and actually ate him alive. And he stood there motionless while he did. And he died. Because he just didn't care. That's what happens in the mindset of people once they don't have Christ. They just, they you don't care. You don't care how it's affecting you. You don't care about the drugs that, that you're doing. You don't care about the drinking you have. You don't care about the addiction the addictions you have. You don't care. You don't care about the, the greed or hurting someone along the way to make it the next step. You don't care how you can climb the ladder in your job without affecting other people. You just don't. And it's the same thing here. It's moral insensitivity. That's why Titus one fifteen: To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. Both their minds and consciences are corrupted. This is a moral insensitivity. People don't know Christ. Wrong, wrong mindset. Don't understand God's truth. There's a moral insensitivity. Therefore, there's corrupt behavior. Look at, look, at, look at your passage there. It says, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. It, re- it leads to a r- a wrong behavior. I'm amazed when people say, you know, I don't understand our culture. I don't understand why people do what they do. I do. I understand why people do. Does that mean I'm justifying? No, but I understand why people do what they do. Why people live the way they do. Why people act the way they do, why they why they treat their spouses the way they do. I understand it. I don't justify it, but I get it. Because if you don't have Christ, then your mindset's messed up. You don't understand God's word. You're morally insensitive, which leads to corrupt behavior. You will always do what your mind is telling you to do. It's corrupt behavior. That's why Timothy, 1 Timothy 3:14, evildoers, imposters go from what? Bad to worse. seeing and being deceived. It's corrupt behavior. That's the old self. Now at this point, I would love to just say, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week uh, for this uplifting message, part two. It's very down. You go, man, that's that's, that's horrible, all this stuff. Corrupt behavior, why the world is the way they are. They're morally insensitive. They don't understand God's word. There's faulty thinking. Why in the world would we need to know that? Why would Paul talk about that? Why would Paul talk about that before he talks about the principles we are to live by? Why does he talk about these things before he talks about marriages and families? Why does he talk about that? Let me tell you two things. Once you understand how people live without Christ, you realize two things very quickly. Okay, Once you understand what the old self is, you realize two things very quickly. The first one is this, how much the world needs Christ. It's not about books. It's not about self-help. It's not about 20 ways to have a better uh, spouse. Not uh, 15 ways to have better intimacy. Not 10 ways to treat your children differently. It's how much the world needs Christ. Absolutely. The second thing it helps you realize is, is you realize how mature, how spiritually mature you are or are not. It's a test. You can look at your own life and go, am I different with Christ than I was without Christ? Pastor Ed was here last week and he gave a, a wonderful thing that he said that I remember. It stuck with me all week. He said, How many years you've had your driver's license is not an indicator of how far you've driven. As Christians, just because you've been a Christian for a long time, just because you know Christ doesn't say how spiritually mature you actually are. Some people look at you, the question is, will people look at you and go, yeah, you know what, they have a changed life. Will your spouse look at you and go, you know what, they are different. Would your children say the same thing about you? Would your parents say the same thing about you? Would they see something different? Would they see something different? You see, we could do all kinds of tips and tricks of how to have a better family. But it's just a band-aid. It's not going to be long-lasting. Because the real changes are there. So the question is, is how are you growing? So what does that look like? So what's the new self look like? What's amazing is the new self are the four opposite characteristics of the old self. The first thing is is that it has a Christ-centered thinking. If the old self has uh, uh, distorted thinking, the new self is Christ-centered thinking. Look at verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned when you heard about Christ. You have to understand that repentance only, when we talk about repenting from your sin, repentance only doesn't save you. Because you can't, you can't, God cannot save you from a sin that you're not willing to let go. You've got to be changing. It's got to be a Christ-centered thing. You see, we're constantly in this world going to be pressured to to give in to certain things, to live a certain way, to do what we want to do, to look out after number one before Christ. We're constantly going to be forced or pushed to do that. With the Christ-centered thinking, though, our orientation is towards Christ. The temptation does not go away. But our, our orientation is toward Christ. Is this what he wants me to do? Is this what he wants me to do? Romans 12, do not conform conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Which leads to number two. We understand God's word. Look at verse 21. You are taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. How would you ever know how to have a good relationship? How would you ever know what it means to be saved? How would you ever know in this world what it would look like to find purpose, to find meaning, to find happiness? You look around, I bet you the world will tell you all kinds of things. But the one truth is this, it's in God's word. That's the one truth. That's where we find all the meanings, the truth about creation, history. Look around, you ask somebody, who created the world? They'll tell you all kinds of theories. truth is right here. Where do you find purpose and meaning in life? Truth is right here. How do you become saved? Truth is right here. What do we do about life? It's right here. How do I deal with my families? It's right here. How do I treat my spouse? It's right here. It's all right here. There's people that would say, you know, Jared, I've been reading a lot of stuff and I just don't, I don't, feel, I don't feel God's call in my life. I don't understand what he wants me to do. I don't feel like I have a changed spouse. I don't have a changed marriage. My life is falling apart. And I say, well, maybe you're reading the wrong things. What should I be reading? You need to read God's word. Why? Because it's all in there. That's where the truth is. 1 John 5.20, we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know who, him who is true. Church, in the world around us, all kinds of faulty assumptions of how we should live our life. We've got to go back to the basics. We've got to go back to the source of truth, which is right here. And you'll never know that without reading God's word. So you're growing spiritually. Do you have a Christ-centered thinking? Are you in God's word? Because of that, we have a desire to seek righteousness. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. First Timothy 6, but you, man of God, flee from this and pursue righteousness. We pursue righteousness. We're pursuing it. Are we fully, absolutely righteous all the time? No, but that's what we pursue. That's the direction we go. It's a mindset. Old behaviors without Christ do not mesh with new behaviors with Christ. You know, if you remember uh, Mark 2, some of you will know this, is uh, Jesus talked about you can't put old wine in new wineskins, okay? He says, you can't put old wine in new new skins. Why can't you do that? Because the old wineskins have stretch. They're, they're pliable and they're stretched. When you put new wine in there, it bubbles, it ferments, it lets out gas, and it stretches the wine, the wineskin. If you put new wine in the old wineskins, that, that, that wineskin is already as stretched as possible. And so you put new wine in there, it bubbles and ferments, and it bursts the wineskins. You can't put... uh, new wine and old wineskins. You can't do the same behaviors without Christ as you can with Christ. It doesn't work. It doesn't mesh. It's not possible. You can't say, you know what, I have a relationship with Christ, but I'm going to still live the way I want to live. I'm going to treat my spouse the way I want to treat her, the way the world treats her. I'm going to live the way I want to do, pursuing the things I want to do, even with Christ. It doesn't work. After a while, you're just going to burst. You'll be all tore up inside. The question is, is when people look at you, do they see your desire for righteousness? Does your spouse, your children, your parents, people at church, do they look at you and go, you know what? They're tempted with a lot of things, but boy, they're pursuing righteousness. They're pursuing the way God wants them to live. Would they say that about you? You know, when they talk about um, uh, putting on the new you, we always think of, I always think of New Year's resolutions. People say, uh, "New resolutions." We always a lot of people say, "I want to lose weight." So what they do is they start exercising, and then they get frustrated because they're not losing any weight, but they're still eating the same way they did before. They, they have the same mindset, but the attitude the behavior hasn't changed. You've got to have a new mindset. Some of us have very faulty uh, families are falling apart. Our, our relationship with our spouse is a mess. Relationship with our kids is a mess. And we go, I'm, I'm trying to do different things, but uh, you're not changing the way you live. It starts with you. So for those of you who are nudging your spouses, your parents, or your kids, this message is for you. It's about you. Because once we have a Christ-centered mindset, once we have uh, uh, a desire to seek righteousness. Once we have an understanding of God's truth, then what can what can result? Loving behavior. That's why verse twenty five. Therefore, put off falsehood, speaking truthfully to your neighbor. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. You want to develop that principle. You got to put on the new you. You've got to have a relationship with Christ. You've got to be growing. That's why our focus here at Christ Church is the maturity class. After that membership class, we want maturity. We don't want just people to come into our church and stay the same way. We don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. We want people to be growing spiritually so they can develop these principles here. And want you to develop those principles in your own life. Then you can have wonderful families. Loving behavior. 1 John 2, 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. My question for you is, when people look at you, when your families look at you, the church looks at you, would they say you're growing spiritually? Would you look at your own self and say, you know what? I'm acting differently than I did before. Is there a change? As uh, Brad and the music team come up and lead us for our last song, that's my question. That's where I leave you. First off, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe some of you have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. You never understand his power in your life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is him dying for us in our place. You want to have good marriages, you want to have good families, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It will never happen because you're going to always be having that distorted thinking in your own life of how I can live my life, how what I can do to make me happy. That's what I want to do, and it's not biblical. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's as simple as saying, you know what, Jesus, I understand that I'm a sinner, that I've lived my life the way I wanted to live. I ask for your forgiveness of that. I want to make you Lord of my life so that I can follow you all the days of my life. It's as simple as that. So do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And the second question is, is are you growing spiritually? Do people see evidence of that? When your spouse looks at you, would they say, you know what? They act differently than than they did before Christ. Would your children say that about you? You know, mom and dad, there's something different about them. Total change of mindset. Would your parents say that? would the uh, your relationships you're in, would they say that about you? Yeah, something's different about them. You know, some people would say, you know, I, I don't know, I've lived, a, 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 lived the way I wanted to live my whole life. I don't think I could ever change at this point. You know, Saul, before, before Paul was Paul, he was Saul and he was on that road and he was the one persecuting Christians. He was out there. God showed up and totally transformed his life. Totally. Total different transformation. You think, man, if, if Paul could do it, I can do it. Because of what God can do, he can transform you. But it starts with you. Adrian Rogers, a pastor that I, I've loved, he, he, he said, you know, the same Jesus who talked about new wineskins is the same Jesus who turned the water into wine. It's the same Jesus that can transform your home your life, your family, your future. He is still in the miracle working business and his business is the business of transformation. Oh church, if we can only have transformed lives, our family, our home life, it's pretty powerful. And talk about what it would do for our churches. Man, it's awesome. Jesus can do that. He can transform our life if we let him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Father, I pray that you be with each and every person in here. Maybe there's someone here who said, you know, I, I've never accepted you as my Savior. Father, help them to realize that they have sin in their life and that there's nothing they can do about it except ask for your forgiveness ask you to come into their life to be the Lord of their life. So if that's you right now, it's as simple as praying that prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness in my life. I want to turn away from my sin. Thank you for dying for me, for my sin. I want to live my life following you. So, Father, be with those now. And be with the rest of us who may have known you, have a relationship with you, but don't have much of a changed life. And we're trying to do the old behaviors with the new mindset. Father, I pray that you change the mindset, change the behavior. Help us to live differently. Knowing with you, that's where we're going to find happiness and fulfillment purpose in life. Father, thank you for the fact that you can transform us. Which then transforms our families and our church. Be with us. I pray that we aren't just hearers of the word, but we will be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus.